Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Absolutely emphatic. And Jay Demerit. Oh, yes. Luther Blissett. That's a spectacular goal. And Helgerson comes in first. Oh, it's a goal. And Laboe. Sensational. And it's there. Welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast and uh, we're celebrating five games without defeat. Or at least that's the positive spin that we can put on after a pretty dreadful nil-nil. My name is Matt Messiaro and I'm joined as usual by Jordan Weimer and Tom Burrell. Gents, how are we feeling today? <laughs> that bad, huh? That bad. I mean, that just that feels in keeping with the the weekend. Yeah, you just very sort of um, yeah, lack of coherence or anything. Oh, there you go. There's the doorbell. Knew it'd come. Right back in a sec. We'll leave that in. Tom hates uh, this session so much that uh, he wants to get away from it. Jordan, it uh, it was it was poor, wasn't it? It yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty bad. Uh, nothing. Yeah, it was. It was not good. It was a really boring watch. Um, you know, I think when I, when I get through these games and I look at my notes and there's really not much written down, it kind of says a lot about the game. It was not particularly entertaining in any facet, and you know, it wasn't even uh, remotely effective either. So, yeah, a bad, a bad nil nil. Mm. And and you know, I mean, sometimes you get good nil nils. Uh, you know, sometimes you're the team that's. Um against a, a much better opposition and you're struggling to hang on, but you, you manage to do it. And there's sort of the jubilation of getting away with, with the point. And also typically um, whenever you get a point away from home, it's usually a good thing, but this was certainly not one of those. It was a, uh, it was a team that have been in really bad form of late. They've been shipping goals left, right and center Against, well, I mean, Watford haven't been good this season, but we feel as though we should be at least battling against some of the teams at the bottom here and and coming away with things. And I suppose the Swansea game gave us a bit of hope, but um, I mean, I, I don't really recall many 
many real attacks, Jordan? No, there wasn't much really in, in the way of anything. It was it was very passive and you know, as you say, the Huddersfield aren't exactly pulling trees up. They're they're not doing well themselves. And we we looked as bad, you know, it was two poor teams on display really. We had we had more of the ball. You know, the first half was all right. We we weren't didn't really create much, weren't really threatened too much. You know, you kind of hope that we could put something together in the second, but yeah, it just never really came at all. We we looked laboured, and uh, we were saying just before we started recording, it looked way too similar to some of the Watford teams we've seen over the last few years, and, and that's a that, that's not a good thing because we've had some pretty laborious, um, you know, dire Watford sides that have been kind of trying to grind out results in this in this league for for a few years, you know, over the last few years, and it's not been good. So. You know, it doesn't really feel like we turned the corner that we it felt like we were hoping to at the beginning of the season because this was far from uh, far from the team that we saw play against teams around the same level of Huddersfield earlier on. Tom, are we being overly negative here, or should we look at the the five games unbeaten and and be a little bit more positive, or or, or is it really as as bad as 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 we're making it out to be? I don't think you can divorce one thing from the other entirely which is a bit of a fence sitting answer but the reason i say that is that something has evidently changed in the way we set up i think the fact that we have conceded kind of fewer goals in the last five games is obviously albeit that's what the woes some of those that we have conceded have been soft is obviously a blessing you wonder if it comes at the expense of kind of any attacking impetus that we had early in the season not that i think we've had a vast amount all season long um so you have to so i guess you have to say you know maybe there's a bit of adaptation there in terms of understanding the situation we're in and that getting a bit of run going and not being beaten is is the the primary focus for for val but we're also far enough into the season that i feel like you can't just look at it like that you need to look at performances as well and performances across those five games haven't been brilliant have they you know the Cardiff game I didn't go to but I understand was pretty the Sheffield Wednesday game was awful but we nicked the win so you overlook it Swansea wasn't fantastic but we nicked the win so you overlook it Millwall was pretty good I felt like but kind of defensive ineptitude has cost us and then Huddersfield which I've just watched on Y Scout was absolutely awful. Just so, so, such a bad um, example of football. Like if you were an alien that just landed on Earth and you're going, yeah, this is football. This is what the world loves. You'd watch it and go, bloody hell, I can't, I cannot get my head around that. But I guess the the flip side is here that their XG in that that game was 0.1. This is using FB ref. Middlewall was 0.9. Swansea was 0.7. Sheffield Wednesday's 0.4. Cardiff was 0.7. The games prior to that, though, were Sunderland, 1.2. Middlesbrough, 1.3. Leeds, 2.6. We conceded one plus in a couple of other games as well. So the point I'm making is that I guess there's been a bit of a, a payoff there and you know a bit of sacrifice on one hand for the, the the increased solidity, or at least we're not conceding as many. I don't know if we're actually more solid. So I think you've got to you've got to look at the bigger picture. You can't just go five games unbeaten and you can't just go the performances have largely been um you know incredibly boring. Tom, the pains you go through for this pod, I I I 
I'm very proud. Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd want to watch that game back knowing the score and the reports that have come out from it. So fair play. <laughs> I think I think it was easier actually, by the way, being detached from it, knowing that there was nothing that I had should have no expectations that it was going to be rubbish. <laughs> it wasn't live. Um, it was it was weirdly less frustrating and easier to watch with a bit of a kind of yeah detached kind of objective eye. But yeah, no, it wasn't fun. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, look, Tom, I was watching that game and I was getting excited by uh, elements of the commentary because it was coming from the Wickham Bradford game, <laughs> yeah. which sounded uh, a lot a lot more interesting than the Watford one. I think you got the same coverage as well, didn't you, Jordan? Yeah, pretty pretty poor. The coverage was not... I mean, Hive Live is just the, <laughs> the cherry on top of what was really a, a poor afternoon, wasn't it? It was... I mean, if the game couldn't get any blander, the crowd noise, which was not exactly... The, it wasn't exactly a um a lively game for the crowd to get up for so it's just yeah everything about it it just felt it's a tough watch real tough watch yeah um quite a few questions coming off the back of that uh game um we'll get into them as we go uh let's look at the first one then i mean i think one of the one of the things that's crying out really is the fact that one of our best players one of the only players that we've seen this season who's had a bit of consistency has shown some elements in Matthias Martins uh, didn't come on until the 86th minute. Uh, I mean, Jordan, do we know any injuries that he's carrying or, or, or is this a tactical thing? Do you think? I mean, that he could be, he could have, a, he could have a knock, could have an injury, but you know, if he's coming on, on the 86th minute, he, you know, he, he looked okay. Like he was moving all right. You know, if he's got the 10 minutes he played in him, you'd, you'd hope he's got 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I, I've got no idea why it took so long to make that change. Um, it was one that it felt like we were crying out for for a long time. We were clearly devoid of any sort of real quality and cohesion in attack or in the build-up or in any facet really at all. It felt like one of those games where, you know, in previous years we'd rely upon Jao Pedro to, to pop up and score us something. That was our only hope. It was one of those games. And, you know, Martins is the guy you look for in those situations. He's really the match winner in terms of, you know, who's going to come on or who's going to be on the pitch that can that can create something out of nothing. And, you know, the fact that he's brought on so late, it, it is frustrating. And, you know, substitutions, I thought, early on when they were made quite proactively and we were making a, quite a few at the same time, it was, it was going relatively well. I think they, they seemed measured and, and smart. Then we had the counter to that last week where it seemed the wrong thing. And now this, it's really, really gone downhill in terms of his uh, effectiveness and also just kind of the logic of it, it seems. Um, ahead of the game, just one change, Tom, from... from uh the last fixture with Georgie Chakratadze coming in. Um, a little bit of a surprise, but that's because we believe Ishmael Kone was dropped to the bench for uh, another lateness issue. Um, overslept, apparently. Overslept. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Bless him. Um, Tom, <laughs> your thoughts? I mean, at this point, it's just, we've talked about it a few times, haven't we? So I'm not going to waffle on too long, but you do just think, at what point are you going to learn? Because... You, you know, even if it's the first incident for any given individual, you've seen what has happened with other players. You've seen that it's been publicised. And, you know, whatever you say about Val seemingly sticks to his word in that front. Um, <clears throat> you do think, like, is it just not caring at this point? Because it just seems ridiculous. I tweeted, I think I tweeted this during the week, or at least the thought was in my head. 
it's one thing to say, I did tweet this. It's one thing to be late to work, right? It's one thing to be late to training and go, you know, I know where the training ground is, going around the M25. M25 is a horror show at the best of times. Mm. So that's something. But when you're late to a meeting, when you're already in the building, either at the hotel or the training ground, or you're late out onto the pitch because once you've already got to the training ground, whatever it may be, those sort of things where you're already in that controlled environment, there is literally no excuse. The whole environment of a football club you know the training facility is geared around making everything as easy and kind of keeping the outside outside and the inside as small as possible as possible for footballers so that all they have to focus on is being a professional footballer when i worked at barnet um uh, they had the stonewall laces campaign and we got posted some laces so i text martin allen and said oh um have you got any objections to me sticking the laces in the change room for the lads on Saturday? This was on sort of a Friday afternoon. And he said, as long as it's done before whatever time it was, two o'clock, I think possibly even earlier than that, so that they're not distracted. Like, do you know what I mean? Like changing their laces. <laughs> like it's, it's the best example I can think of that is like, is a real life example. I thought, and I'm thinking to myself, that's the difference between me as someone that's not a footballer and not actually being in that in the dressing room environment and and someone that's kind of in that world their whole lives I guess that you know they take it down to that kind of minutia level of if he fucking doesn't pick up his man at a corner or a set piece and we were pissing about with changing our laces before kickoff then you know making that connection so it's just it's you know I just I've gone off a bit on a tangent I said I wouldn't go on about this too long, but I do just think it's a bit insane that we're still hearing about this week after week as well. It's not like that we've gone kind of a few weeks without an incident or a few months without an incident. It seems to be every week yeah. at the moment. Clearly it's not a motivator enough for them, is it? Clearly it's not having the effect that... Uh, that, that that's it. Wish. And he said, you know, you can't you can't hit them in the pocket. You have to hit them where it hurts, which is not playing. Well, does it? <laughs> yeah. if, I was in, if I was in the squad right now, I'd be pretty happy to stop you playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is, is is that? I mean, it's not. It's clearly not motivation enough. Otherwise, as you say, would be would be seeing players not missing games every single week. You know, it was Tondi Bashiri last week, Konya this week, and Imran Luz has been in there amongst other. It's just, it's yeah, it's it's not working. It's it's effect, you know ineffective, and we're paying the price for it in a lot of ways. You know, I, I think Konya was good when he came on. He was probably one of the better parts of that game uh, when he was finally introduced. So. Yeah, very frustrating and just uh, just irritating, really, isn't it? Indeed. Well, Georgie Chakvatadzi was uh, on time, so he was uh, given the opportunity. Did he take it, Jordan? Um. Well, I mean, he wasn't fantastic. I don't think anyone really was great in that game, were they? Particularly, so I can't say yes. But I, I think he does deserve. He had deserved a chance up until this point. I think he was you know, pushing for that opportunity and he's looked decent when he's played, not had opportunity. The only thing is when he started that one game was at Sunderland he started and yeah, I think I think it was fair to bring him in. You know, at first before I knew exactly why Konya was out, I thought it might have been a, an opportunity or a, a, a choice to go a little bit more offensively minded with those two number eights and I, I think it would be effective if the team was performing as a as a collective, but you know, it was so it was so poor overall, it's really hard to to judge positively or negatively that that individual's performance for me. Yeah, Tom, did you see anything from uh, Y Scout that you liked of Chuck Matansi? 
Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't thrilled by Chat for Tad's Day, to be honest with you. You know, he's far from the only culprit, but I thought he was um, essentially fairly absent. Um, I kind of I got the logic of putting him and Kayembe in, the, you know, Kayembe in his new role in there, away from home. You might ordinarily try and block it up, but I think with everything that we knew about Huddersfield in advance, they were without 11 players. Um, they could only name six subs. They, uh, I think they had about seven defenders. I was listening to not the top 20s there, and I said, I think they said that kind of notionally they had seven defenders in their starting 11, um, one way or another. Mm. Um, you know, th- they off the back of two thrashings were just trying to not get beat. So I kind of made, I saw the logic completely in putting in someone in there who was going to theoretically get on the ball and, and carry it and, and make things happen. And, Whatnot, but it, it just didn't happen for him, did it? I thought a lot of the time it might not necessarily have been his fault in that it seemed like we had a lot of space in the middle of the park that we just vacated, um, that there was never anyone there, you know, and Gakia and particularly Jamal Lewis, I thought, got into kind of areas on in and around the edge of the box, almost sort of like, you know, areas that you might say a centre forward or a number 10 or whatever to pick up, take up. Um, but often the man in possession, and in this case, Chatfordadze, would look up and they just have a sea of Huddersfield bodies and then a line of Watford players beyond that. And you think, well, it's bloody hard to progress the ball from there. You need someone to come in and, uh, you know, drop in and, and help out. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's one of those players that has always looked this season, based on I've never heard of him before this summer, looks better coming off the bench than starting. I don't, I can't remember a start where I thought, yeah, okay, you're really kind of making a claim for that shirt. Mm. Jordan, when you're playing against a team who, for lack of a better term, park the bus, what is it as the attacking side that you need to do in order to, to get past them? I mean, what can any team do to try and combat this type of a, a setup? Well, you're always looking, in, you know, in, in any situation, but especially that sort of situation, you're looking to create space and find opportunities to to exploit it. So whether it's, you know, whether it's allocating players to certain areas of the pitch, try and pull opposition out and, you know, make them come and, and try and claim the ball, that's what you have to do. And you've got to find ways around it. Obviously, you know, you, you've got to be able to find ways to get them out of their shape. If they're a stubborn team that are looking to sit back and, you know, very comfortable in, in in that position. And, you know, Huddersfield looked committed to that game plan. They were not opposed to to, to maintaining their, their positioning and, and being disciplined. So you have to be incisive. You have to be smart with possession. You have to play with the tempo. And unfortunately, we don't show, we haven't shown in recent weeks the ability to do that. So, you know, you can't be lethargic. You can't be the boring on the ball. You have to be quick. And we, we just didn't have that. So it becomes quite simple, really, for, for Huddersfield to, to sit back and absorb because we're not really testing them. Um, you know, these... They might be one of the, the kind of one of the worst teams in the league currently, Huddersfield, but they're still you know a professional team of, of footballers. They're able to to sit back in their shape. They're not tested too too harshly. Then it's not going to be a massive concern for them. And you know, offensively, we didn't really offer much at all. You know, you, you kind of look at our passing network and see kind of where we were using the ball. We didn't really get it out of our defence with any sort of real intent. We got wide a little bit. Both fullbacks had some possession, but you know, it's breaking down time after time and. Um, in, in terms of our display and our approach of breaking down a, a team that sat deep into their box, really kind of a, a, a textbook bad example of, of what to do, I'd say. 
Tom, after the game, Valerian Ishmael said, we kept playing square balls. I'm okay with that. But at some point, we have to do something. We have to shoot a couple of shots in the first half, one or two in the second half. It's not enough. When you dominate a game like that in possession, you have to give the opponent the feeling we could score at any time. And I think he alluded to the fact that they didn't there. What What was your thoughts on his comments? Yeah, I did. he identified the problem with the benefit of hindsight um, that I think we all identified, that we're just too too slow, too ponderous, lacking bravery, lacking invention in, in possession. I, have, I ran out of time to check um, how this kind of stacks up for the season, but Sierra Alta attempted 122 passes, Wesley Hoot, attempted 124 and Jay Moore attempted 77. Those were the top three for us. They completed most of them between them. They only misplaced about 30 passes, if that. Um, that was mostly who, unsurprisingly. Um, and probably 90% of them were just in that little Bermuda Triangle of doom between Livermore and the centre-backs. <laughs> the amount of times, the amount of times... One of them would pick it up, trot forward a few yards, turn back and knock it inside to the other one or pass it into Liverpool. It just it got to the point where you could just call it and you just think, and I'm sure there's been a problem all season, but I, as I said to you guys off air, because I was watching it on Y Scout, I, don't know if I said it at the start of the pod, because I was watching it on Y Scout, there was no commentary, you know, I had no investment in the game, I was watching it back. It was a lot easier to be detached. And I was just like, they can do it again. They can do it again. Every time. And you just think you've got so much space ahead of you. Huddersfield weren't pressing at all. You know, they had a big lumbering striker up front, Carl Hudlin, six foot nine, first championship start of the season. They most of the time had 11 men behind the ball. Drive forward, be brave. Few occasions we see the old Wesley Hoot smash from left to right out to little fucking. Uh, Yasser Espreer on the right-hand side. Needless to say, none of those he won in the air because he's five foot five or whatever he is. And you just think, oh my God. And is it is it that they don't want to sacrifice possession cheaply or in dangerous areas and be counted on? You know, are they just completely lacking the confidence? Are they completely lacking the tactical nous? to try something different for a bit. I just I just don't know. I'm, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I heard quite a few people listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, uh, Twitter space after the game, so let's just go direct a bit more often, you know. Um, let's try it. We don't have to do it for the whole game. I don't think we've got the players to play the kind of the Val ball that we all expected, perhaps, when he got appointed back in May. So that's fine. I, you know, I certainly don't want to be smashing balls up to Vakumbaya. I don't think that's his game for one second. I don't think it's Ryovic's game either. But... Let's try something different because it was just so, so poor. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just wretched. Those, those, those three in there, not that they were the only culprits by any means of being safe, but it was those three in particular just seemed to spend an inordinate amount of time on the ball playing between themselves, and it was so boring to watch. The Bermuda Triangle is a good, I think, a good description. I think we'll stick with that for the uh, interaction between the number six and the two centre-backs going forward. Yeah. Where creativity that could be the disappears. podcast title as well. Good. Should be. Um, oh, yes, that should so, be. So, Jordan, is it on the manager to... I mean, I'm saying this like I already know the answer, but, but I'm asking you anyway. Is is it on the manager to make the difference here to find the the way, or is this a player problem? Is um you know are the players being told? I mean, we we don't know perhaps the the exact answer here, but do you think the players are being told what to do, but they're not execute, executing the plan? What 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 do you what do you think is happening? Well, it's on both. You know, you, you need to see it from the players too. The the, the heck, I mean, from, firstly from the players' perspective, they are given instructions. They have to execute, but they have to, you know, all play at a minimum standard to 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 make those um, make those assignments effective and make them work and allow the what the coach wants to happen on the pitch happen. You know, it, it does start with them, obviously, or it ends with them. You could say, and it's obviously important. I I do think though. Uh, I, I do think more responsibility does lie with the coach. You know, it's his job to to, to get these players in the position to execute his plan. Uh, I, I think we've deviated from our original idea. Obviously, we're, we're quite a different side. We operate in quite a different way than we did in the opening five or so games. Uh, so clearly, we've we've made some adjustments. I think there's been a a, a noticeable adjustment in terms of pragmatism and and being a little bit more considerably more conservative in possession trying to find a way to make us harder to beat you know obviously we're, we were losing a lot of we were conceding a lot of goals or conceding simple goals or, or problematic goals you know poor decision making and so on so maybe streamline things simplify things a little bit to try and deter that or deter from that happening but it just it, it's not been effective so I think it does fall to the coach in terms of what do we do now because it's been like this for four, four or five games now it's been poor um, you know even even when we picked up results it's not it's not been great. I still don't think we've played as good a football as we did in the opening few games. 
So the, the, the projection is, is negative for me, regardless of the, the results over the, the last few games. Now, it might be in the short term, we might put some points on the board, uh, but where does it go? You know, what's the progression? What's the what's the objective here? At least when we were, you know, early on, we were taking some risks, conceding some poor goals, but we could see, you know, we could see what the end idea was. Now I'm I'm not really too sure, um, and, and that scares me because we just invested. You know, who knows what will happen? We've invested money into a, a into a contract, a long term contract for Ismail and your staff, and are now sud- suddenly kind of struggling to see where and, and what we're trying to do. I think that was. Yeah, just to say, I think that was the interesting thing for the first time, perhaps on Saturday, I saw more people questioning Ishmael's part in everything than perhaps other factors, the players or the ownership, essentially. Um, I think, you know, Jordan, without kind of blowing smoke up you, is quite balanced and 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 rational and was, you know, you put out a tweet, I can't remember the exact words of it, but the gist of it was sort of, What's what's the plan, Val? There doesn't seem to really really be one, and I think you know f- the fact that um, the fact that people are turning against him a little bit, or maybe not even turning against him, but you know showing some sort of dissent towards criticism of him at a time when we've all been pretty unified on at least one thing, which is that. We think the ownership create a structure that makes it impossible to succeed says a lot for me um, about the style of play. Because I don't think we're entire Watford fans are entirely blinkered to think um, that it has to be him. And, and just because we've given him a new contract and, and put all our eggs in that basket, um, that he is beyond reproach and... You know, a couple more games like that, and it will be uh, it will be loud, and it will be pretty vociferous against him. I imagine. Well, we're coming up to another international break, Tom. I know, concerning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be like it would be very like Pozzo to uh, give a man a a new contract and then in the very next uh, opportunity <laughs> sack him. I mean, that that that's exactly the sort of thing that could happen, but. I don't think I'm seeing any voices saying, well, maybe one or two, but in in the most part, most people are saying we want Val to stay, but we want him to perhaps look at different ways of working because it doesn't seem clear that this method is is the right one at the minute. I think there are quite a few wandering eyes towards John Eustace. That's though. true. That's true. That's true. That's true. But I mean... People have been burned in the past for going for the the coach that has the connection rather than the coach that is the the right one at the right time. Um, plus, I'm not sure many coaches really view the Watford job as something that they have enough time to implement their style, whatever it happens to be. I think we've burnt our bridges with quite a few people. Um, I, I don't know if it, it really is the right time to part ways with Val, but... Um, I certainly want us to get away from the whole thinking of Valble. Coaches um, know a whole load of different styles and formations, and just because they've been associated with one doesn't mean they always have to play in that way. Yeah, fair enough, try it. And if it hasn't worked, then use your you know knowledge of different setups and formations and, and get the players playing in a different way that's going to work because I don't think it's working at the moment. 
I think the funny thing is, by the way, if if Ishmael came in and played exactly the kind of style of football we saw at Barnsley and it didn't work, I think we'd be calling for, or the, the fan base more broadly would be calling for a, a different approach as well. You know, Boothroyd's style of play wasn't particularly, um, what can I say, nuanced for large parts, but at the point of winning promotion and getting in the Premier League against all expectation, everybody overlooked it. When it was when the expectations rose and the results fell away after relegation in whatever it was, 07-08 season, that was when the kind of the, the, the descent built against him. So I think there's a lot to be said for just getting results. But as I said earlier, despite that, as I said earlier, You've got to look at the performances a little bit as well. It, they, I don't think those alone are going to they're going to turn the tide. So, yeah, I honestly don't know what the answer is for him. To be honest with you, because I don't think he's got the players to play the. the as I said a minute ago, I don't think he's got the, the players to play the style of football that he might have liked to come in and and, and play. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you there, Tom. But but my point is that he doesn't have to play that way. I, I think I think the days of managers having a, a fixed style of play and it's that way or the highway it uh are gone to be honest i mean yeah oh definitely definitely agree i mean but the, my question is when does the point come when he says okay fair enough we've given it a go we're gonna try something different now when does that point come and what should that be uh, the thing is what is he trying to do right now that's the question too you know what is what is the what is the approach? We've well, got to assume it's valuable, don't you? Well, what's valuable though? That's the thing. Like we. Well, okay. The the thing that he's most commonly known for is you know the the approach from from Barnes and and clearly that's. But I, we don't. What the I think thing is, we he was brought in to to do. Right? Well, yeah, but when he came in, he was he, you know he played a much different style in the sense that he was possession dominant, which he'd never done before. Um, in, especially in the championship, he was looking to I think make some changes and uh, maybe affect. Uh, also, maybe based on kind of his experience at West Brom and and based on the players he had available to him and just kind of the way football was going, we saw him use the inverted fullbacks he hadn't done before. You know, there were lots of changes which were quite unexpected. I think we were expecting more of that, you know, that gung ho style of um, direct football we did see at Barnsley. But you know, we've gone the opposite end. You know, even even the game against Huddersfield, we had seventy one percent of the ball. That's not a Barnsley approach. That's the, you know, he's tried to change things. He's tried to playing a different way. Um, almost the opposite way in times I, I understand because you know being Watford although I, I think sometimes opponents might not really appreciate how bad we can be at times and have shown us a lot of respect despite the fact we've lost some some real key players that we've had for a couple of years and oftentimes teams are sat back quite defensively against us uh, and, and do allow us to have the ball so that you know, naturally that sort of direct football becomes a little harder you know Barnsley was very counter-attacking and on the front foot sort of football it's hard to replicate that so I think he has adapted I think he's made quite a, a big change but what started out as a positive one a couple of adjustments and some you know some poor performances we started to see it really slip into something which is quite reminiscent of some of the poor football we saw under the likes of Cisco Munoz and that's that's the question to me is okay well you might you might have to adjust things you might have to change things but what's stopping you from implementing what you want to do now because there's no there's no head coach in the world that that goes out and tries to get his team to put on the performance that we saw on Saturday well if that's the case Jordan if we're not sure what it is that he's trying to do is that more worrying than seeing something 
just not working, but we know what the plan is. Yeah, I mean, look, you can see elements. You can see the, the use of the inverted fullbacks a little bit. We want to get wide, use the players, the wide players on the cutting in on the stronger side, you know, pressing forward that's roaming, kind of looking for, you know, working off scraps, but also trying to bring others into play a little bit. Got the two eights. There's a foundation of what we saw at the beginning of the season, but there's just no, there's no quality. There's no incisiveness. There's no tempo. It's just almost attritional now. So what's gone wrong? What what are we doing to adapt to it? I've not seen too much to counter the negatives that we've seen. You know, you could argue that we're, we are gaining points, but the thing is, unless if, if your goal is to survive, that's one thing. If you're just trying to grind out results and you're looking at a nil-nil or a point away at Huddersfield as a positive thing, that's fine. But everything that we've been given, everything that's been promoted about this appointment as as a head coach of, of Ismail is about the long-term plan, the structure, the progress, the, 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 you know, all these things. Well, this is not the sort of football that's that's representative of a, of a team that's looking to change a style of play and, and develop one. It's, it's more representative of a team that's looking to survive and, and, and get through by attaining enough points week to week to avoid relegation and really just find themselves mid-table. I don't see how this puts us in a better position for next season and the season after. Um, it, it just looks very week to week. Well, I read out a few moments ago the view from the manager, Ishmael. Um, this is the view from the players and this one from Wesley Hoot. I think we could have moved the ball quicker from in behind. In the second half, we improved, but we still weren't able to penetrate them in the way we needed to and formulate anything meaningful in the final third. If we look at the game, I don't think we created enough, and that's what we have to focus on addressing. Tom? Well, he was evidently aware of the problem, so quite why he spent this, the entire game uh, doing what he did, I don't know. I, he's right. I thought it was slightly... <laughs> I thought it was slightly better in the second half, albeit from an incredibly low base, incredibly low starting point. They were there was a little bit more urgency. I don't know if we moved the ball any better, but at least we seemed to move it a bit more quickly and, and try and get the ball into those areas a bit more quickly. For me, the the that I'm not saying the answer, but I don't want to be bold enough to say it's the answer. But if if you look at that squad as a whole, the the biggest strength I think is in the wide players. Espria on these days, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Semmer, Martins, you've got three very good wingers there and you've got two forwards who, although they're quite different, I think both thrive on good deliveries into the box to score goals, right? You know, Bayo's a bit of a sniffer, a bit of a poacher. Ryovic, we've seen, you know, all his goals are kind of one-touch goals almost, aren't they? Heads, pokes it in, whatever. I would be building my team, the philosophy on, on that, surely, getting... Good to getting the wide players on the ball. You know, they might not be, in Ken Semmer's case, um, he might not be brilliant at taking players on, but we've seen him do it plenty of times as well, you know, in that kind of way that he does. Aspreer and Martins thrive on that. Martins arguably doesn't like putting the ball in the box. He just prefers cutting inside and shooting. But, you know, utilise that. That seems to be our biggest strength to me. I don't see a great deal of creativity in those midfielders certainly not the ones who are playing at the moment it's not you know losers the one that when he gets on the ball you'd say okay yeah he's got the ability to unpick a defense but he's not playing I think the midfielders that are in there uh, a lot of the time it's kind of their physical attributes more than their technical attributes that they're there for so that would be that would be how I'd have tried to change things at least but you know I agree with what you're saying Jordan it's like the way we're playing is to and this is what I was sort of saying at the beginning is almost a bit like that mentality of oh 
we've just got to get points on the board to survive, to just, you know, squeak into the playoffs in the last five or six games, whatever it means. It's it's kind of gone beyond performances. No, we're in the heart of the season. We should be seeing performances at this stage and something to build on for the future. And okay, if the ambition this season isn't to get is is, is to do nothing except just survive, essentially then you should be playing with the freedom to kind of do that, I think. that's a, And that being creator philosophy, for creator style of play, patterns of play, all these things to go right next season with one or two careful additions, we can actually take that style of play, slot those pieces and plug those pieces in and and play for something using that. And we'll have a coach and a way of playing and an understanding that everyone shares. But I don't think we're anywhere near that, are we? Jordan, what do you reckon? Use the wing, use the wingers more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, you got you got to find ways to use your best players. It's you know, it's it's, it's basic stuff. And I, I think you've, you've got to answer the question though. If you're the head coach, you have got to find a way to be successful with with the group you have. It's not going to be perfect. I don't think any of us expect perfection. Um, I don't think we even have to see. You know, I don't even think we have to see ultimate consistency or anything. It just has to be give us some positive thinking for what this plan is going forward you know and unfortunately as time goes on we're not seeing it and it's disappointing because I think it was off to a good start and yeah I'm I'm struggling to see what we do um or what what Val does to to adjust this because currently um the 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 kind of trajectory has been pretty consistently downwards and I know as I said results have improved a little bit at times but um, I am I am concerned at this point. Do you think this is a start, Tom, of pressure coming from the fans uh, towards the the coach rather than Mr. Pozzo himself? Yeah, I think so. You've obviously got Rotherham next, uh, who are twenty second. I think I'm right in saying haven't won away all season. Have only won two games total. So we've got to be winning that, and you'd like to think winning that convincingly. Then, as you rightly say, Matt, international break, and then it's a really um, difficult, you know, really difficult run after difficult that. Difficult run, isn't it? Of fixtures after that, we play teams that are either up there or have kind of, in Southampton's case, come down from the Premier League. But even they're getting a getting a couple of results together now. It's you know, it's conceivable that you go through that run um, and 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 don't pick up a win. Uh, and where does that leave you suddenly? You know, we're not so far above the relegation zone that. Uh, we can we can afford to be kind of blasé about it. Uh, Leicester away, Norwich at home, who are struggling now. Obviously, Hull away, Southampton at home, Ipswich at home, Preston away, Blackburn away. That takes you up to New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Eve, twenty third of December. Definitely not New Year's Eve. Um, the other one, you know, Christmas Eve. <laughs> Christmas Eve Eve. Um, we could be we could be in real pretty desperate situation by then. Yeah, um, I certainly wouldn't put it past us to do something. Uh, interesting uh, after the Rotherham game if that is not a victory. I don't know if it'll come that soon, yeah. but... You don't think so? I... Yeah, I don't know if it'll come that soon if there was to be a change, but I wouldn't put it past us to do something interesting at some point this this year. I'll say that. That's my bold prediction in 2023 still with seven weeks of the year to go. Okay. You heard it here first, if you're a betting person. That's not based on any privileged information. That's just, you know, the rinse and repeat nature of this stupid football club. Yeah. Well, okay, then Rotherham United up next. Uh, as we've alluded to, they are currently 22nd in the table. They have won twice all season. 
uh, neither of those coming away. So theoretically, this should be a victory for Watford, right? <laughs> it's got a loss all over it, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's you know this is again this is an opportunity to see. I, I think as we talk about you know trying to actually assess what we're trying to do, this is the best chance we're going to get really to to look at. Um, look at a team, look at a side that Ismail puts out, and and perhaps try and see some idea of, of what route we're trying to take, and and what the progression is going to be. Because you know you would think in theory, as you say, this can be a game we can look to kind of get some control of, and um, perhaps have some a little bit of authority in. So we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping that we get to see something, but it's um, it's really tough to call. I'm I'm not entirely sure how this will go because a lot a lot of times these teams do cause us a lot of problems as we saw against Huddersfield. So tough one for me. Yeah. Um, one more point I just wanted to make before we exit. Um, Mr. Livermore seems to have been really coming into his own at the moment. Um, maybe his his legs have gone. I think that's there for a lot of people to see. But his commanding nature of the of the pitch, I think, is starting to come through a lot. And he's fulfilling a lot more of the captain, in quotes, duties than um, perhaps Backman is at the moment. I have been pleasantly surprised by him. I think, notwithstanding my earlier criticism, I think he does try and move the ball fairly quickly. It might not always be progressive, but he always. Try- I think I feel like he always tries to move the ball um, fairly quickly. But, yeah... I also wouldn't get too carried away in that I think um, in an ideal world, you'd have someone a bit more mobile in there and a bit more uh, incisive in there as well. But uh, the time being, he's one of the slightly more positives to to hone in on. Hmm. And speaking of Backman, uh, another clean sheet. So, I mean, that's a positive for him, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, but it wasn't really tested either, was he? So I don't know. It's <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it can it can help mentally, though, can't it? I mean, I guess, but I I just don't really know. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm I'm struggling. I'm just struggling. I, I'm maybe I'm just being too negative, but you know, though. Would, would a better keeper in that game have changed the result for us at all? Well, unless he scored, no. But no, okay. I think because I, because I, I was hearing a, lot, a few comments coming out from that game uh, about Backman's performance, and I struggled to see really what he had done particularly wrong. Because no, he's going to be the scape. He's going. He's going to get. He's going to get shit every week, isn't he? I think we just know that's kind of the the where we're at with Backman, and some of it deserved, some of it not. You know, I think you can. I think the confidence for Backman, I don't think that any sort of low confidence issues with him necessarily going to come from, well, I guess it is in some ways. Yeah, scrap that. I don't know. I think it's a positive in some ways, but is it enough to to really draw from and, and say we're going to get an improved performance, whether it's from him or defensively? I'm not entirely sure. But you know, what I want to see from Backman is I want to see him be proactive in the situations we've been concerned about, whether it's coming out from his, from his line for, for set pieces and so on. Uh, that, that's something we need to see and didn't get as much of a test on that. Actually, a little bit surprised Huddersfield weren't really that testing to us in that in that situation from set pieces and so on. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Backman is kind of going to be one of the narratives of the season, really, no matter what happens now. No, I actually agree with that, Jordan. 
I don't I don't I agree with you as well, to be fair, Matt. I don't think he did anything wrong. There was one clearance that got charged down, wasn't there, and went out for a goal kick sort of wide of the goal, so it wasn't a disaster. Um but I do I do just think he is that lightning rod for fan frustration. He's just gonna get it. Regardless, but one thing that did make me what made me laugh was um uh he claimed a cross or a corner or whatever, and he was trying to kind of get it moving quickly. This was in the first half, and Wesley Hoot was just like, no, so, you know, giving it the old slow down, calm down, calm down. Batman smashed it outfield anyway. Needless to say, Bio didn't win it. But I just thought, yeah, you would be telling him to slow it down, wouldn't you, Hoot, given that's all you've done all game up to that point. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just... I, just um, I, 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 I'll keep my... I should... I should keep a lid on my backman feelings. I think I might be possibly too invested in in defending him, but no, he didn't do anything wrong at the weekend. Fair enough. Uh, good views either side of the fence. Um, right. Well, that will do us, I think, for this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back after the Rotherham game. Please do follow us on all the socials at Watford Pod at Messi Messiano, at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bedell. And yeah, if you haven't given us a review yet on iTunes, do so. Go ahead, uh, type in What For Buzz Podcast on the Apple Podcast. Go down to the bottom and give us a rating out of five. We'd really much appreciate that. And uh, if you want to be a, uh, a follower of us in a monetary sense, you can do so as well. Join our Patreon and uh, buy us a coffee. That would be very much appreciated. All right, well, we'll see you after Rotherham, hopefully, uh, victory to talk about. Then the the dreaded international break. We'll see what happens during that. All right, then. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 